X 10, 30 through 33. And Cornelius said, four, day, four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, thy prayers heard, and thy alms are had, are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon, a tanner by the seaside, who, when he cometh, shall speak, shall speak unto thee. Immediately, therefore, I sent thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. It is an honor and a privilege to be able to be here before you this day. As some of you know, Mike is at his home congregation in Chattanooga, and he is speaking there for a gospel meeting that they are having, and I believe he will be back on Monday, or he will. He told me he would. So Brother Mike will be back on Monday, and things will go on as normal. Uh, today I would like to send a special welcome out to those who are visitors uh, if you are a visitor, we would like to encourage you to, to get that card on the, the rack in front of you and fill that out so that we can have a record and uh, have, a, have a record of your coming and being with us. Today, in light of the gospel meeting, as we've been studying this past week, each evening we had lessons that were centered around the beginning of the church and preparing for a life to live that will lead us to a home in heaven in the end. As we talk about the beginning of the church, we notice how in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3, it said that the word of the Lord would go forth from Jerusalem. We look back at the second chapter of Acts, and in Acts 2, we see that they were in Jerusalem. All the, all the things that were mentioned in the Old Testament prophecies were taking place. We notice that this is the church that was being established that was mentioned thousands of years earlier. Now, as you go back even as far as Genesis chapter 12, there was a promise that was made to Abraham. There was a promise that was made to Isaac. And this, this promise that was told, it said, through thee all nations would be blessed. That's Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. He was promised that all nations would be blessed through him. Now this led to his... As life went on, this led to kind of a stigma or a, a certain, certain mindset within the Jews because they were that seed. That promise in Genesis 12 was that through them all nations would be blessed. So these people started to almost get the big head because they knew it was through them. They were the reasons that each person would have an opportunity or a chance to inherit that eternal life. Now that, that promise that was made was spoken, pointed to that of the seed line. Now these people, these Jewish people, the, the children of Israel, they were, they were known, they were God's children, they were God's chosen people. But this might have, in a way, went to their head in the sense that from then on it would go out to the rest of the world. Through their seed line would come the Christ. 
the seed of David. Through, through that seed line, we would have the Messiah. Now, as, as this happened, as this, as this changed, as they grew and, and the Jews went on through their lives, they knew that they were the chosen people. And as we go up through Acts chapter 2, you see that the word there starts. It begins there at Jerusalem. In Luke chapter 24, verse 46 and 47, it says in that repentance... And remission of sins might be preached in his name. Then it goes on to say, beginning at Jerusalem. This is where it all started. The, the town center. It all started there at Jerusalem. Also in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, later on, Paul, this is after the beginning of the establishment of the church, Paul understood that the gospel went out to the all of the world. The song we just sang, the gospel is for all was shown through what we will see in Acts chapter 10. Now Paul realized this in Romans chapter 1 verse 16. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Nope. Yeah, Romans chapter 1 verse 16, he said, I am now ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. He said, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. This is a different group of people. This isn't the Jewish people. This isn't the children of Israel that they knew, but rather it was a different group. As we notice today, we will see first that God is partial to none. There is no group of people that is not allowed in the kingdom. There is no group of people that is above others in the sense of becoming Christians. We'll also notice that God is preached by one in this context. Peter goes and preaches the gospel to those Gentiles. And then we will also notice that it's it's seen by many. The gospel is proven by those who were witnesses. And finally, we'll, we'll notice last of all that uh, God is given. God is the one that gave his life for all. Finally, as we start out, look at God is partial to none. Acts chapter 10, verse 34, we'll be reading the conversion of Cornelius and his household. In Acts chapter 10, starting at verse 34, it says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. The word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth which the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are all witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before God, chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and of the dead. To him all the prophets witness that. Through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished 
as many as come as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been given, had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they had heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized? Who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay, to stay a few days. Just prior to this reading, Cornelius had been praying and he'd been, been beseeching the Father and asking why or what he must do. He wanted to know what he had to do for his life. As an angel or a man in bright clothing appears to him, he is told to sin for a certain man, this Simon Peter. Now Peter comes to him, but they still have this mindset where there was a separation between the Jew and the Gentile. The difference between them built a stigma where they didn't, the Jews didn't hang out with a, a Gentile. The Jews had, had no part with them. But we see signs here where that wall, the barrier between the Jew and the Gentile is torn down. Notice first, verse 34. Here it says, Then Peter opened his mouth and, and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Peter was, was now amongst the Gentiles. He was with them who he knew it was not even lawful for him to be there. To be there. They, there was a separate society within the people. But he said, I perceive that within God there is no partiality. There is nothing, nothing different between you and me. Here we see the sign. This might have come as a shock because he, he knew it wasn't right for them to keep company. If you look back at verse 28 and verse 29, it says, Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Also, verse 29 says, Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, For what reason have you sent for me? There in verse 29, he hasn't yet realized that they are going to be accepted into the church. The kingdom that Christ established is now going out to all nations. So in verse 34, as Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. It's starting to come through to him. He's realizing that there isn't a separation that he once thought that there was because God didn't plan it that way. God planned for all nations to be blessed and it would go through the seed line of Christ. By the events taking place, Peter is, inter is inferring that there's no favorites within God. He has no favoritism. There's none that, are, that is better than another. Now Peter's understanding is corrected here as he's learning through the things that, that he is seeing take place. Now we'll see the acceptance of God by all in verse 35 through 36. It says, But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching Pre preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. We'll notice in verse 35 it says every nation. It's out to all people. The word of the Lord would, beginning, would begin at Jerusalem and it would go to all nations. 
the commissions that were sent to these people, it was to go to every creature. Every, every man that was on the face of the earth would receive the gospel. Now here, it's starting to all make sense. In verse 35, that says every nation, but then it lays the guidelines. The nations, those that are accepted, are the ones that it says, whoever fears him and works righteousness accepted by him. You see the guidelines? There's fear of God. And there's righteousness that's coupled along with it. As a young boy, I could understand this fear that we're talking about. Because when I was told by my parents that I was supposed to do something, I knew if I didn't do what I was told, there was a punishment that was left in store. There was a punishment for not doing what's right. Still today, as I get older, there is punishments if I don't obey the law. There are punishments if I don't do the things that are commanded. If I don't listen to the elders as I'm, as I'm told in things that, that need to be done, there, there would be punishments or correction that would take place in order to keep me on the right track. Now within God, there's the same guidelines. God gave us guidelines. The guidelines that we have are the scripture. Now within the scripture, we're told what we must do. We must have that fear of God, which is going to lead us to do that which is right. And it said along with that fear, there is coupled working righteousness. They did the things that they found written in this book. And then there at the, the end of verse 36, it says, the, God, the message that God sent out is to all. He is Lord of all. There is no man under heaven that wouldn't be governed by his law. He is Lord of all nations, of all people. As we go on, we'll notice that God is preached by one because here comes Peter preaching the gospel. Peter comes to these people, to this Gentile nation, and he tells them of the Christ. If you'll notice in verse 36, verse 36 and 37, it says, The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He's going to preach that same message that the Jews had received. Notice in verse 37, That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Way back... In the beginning, when John started to preach, in the beginning of the, the church being established, or I guess you could go back farther, but as you look, as John went out to preach to say that there is one greater than I that comes, he said, there is one I'm not even worthy to latch his shoes. He said, this one that is coming, that message that he started to proclaim of the church that would come about is the message which now is being preached by Peter to these people. The message is very plain, which is that of the Christ. The Messiah that was to come is now here. The Messiah which came has now died and is risen, and that church which he came to establish is set up. That church is in store. Just as the prophecy had stated in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3, it said, And the word of the Lord would go forth from Jerusalem, we studied this last Sunday as Brother Hires was speaking about the beginning, the roots of the church. The word of the Lord began at Jerusalem, but it, then it goes out to the entirety of the world. 
Some miraculous works of Christ, though, are seen. This is proof. This is, this is the message that Peter was preaching because through this miraculous works, through this gift that was given by the Holy Spirit, the miraculous power that was, that was empowered by Christ, came the proof that he was the Messiah. Notice in verse 38 and following, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. You see here that, that there were good works that they'd heard of, Surely if there was one that was going around and healing all manners of disease and raising the dead and walking on water and speech, speaking these speeches that people were hearing, they would understand that there was something special about this person. This person had been spoken of throughout all of the nations. There's writings still today of people that say, yeah, I've heard of the Christ. You can study Josephus and others uh, who say, well, there was... There was a person that was doing, doing things that no other man could do. Now these miraculous works of Christ were proof that he was the Messiah, were proof that he was the one who was sent by God. In John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, you say, And truly did Jesus many other signs in the sight of the disciples, but... The ones that we see, it says, these were written that ye might believe, and that believing ye might have life in his name. There were many things that were done by Christ. We can't see them all. Truly, we know that this book couldn't contain all the deeds, all the works of Christ, it says in John chapter 20, verse 30. But what we have is written so that we might believe. And here, as Paul preaches that Paul, sorry, excuse me, as Peter preaches this message uh, to the Gentile nation, we see that he tells them of the miraculous works of Christ, which is going to instill faith in these people. We'll notice that he preaches the saving message. If you'll skip down to verse 42 through 43, it says to him, oops, sorry, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to, to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. He was preaching a saving message. The saving message that, that none else could teach. None else was here at this time to teach it to these Gentile peoples because he was sent or he was called by them and sent by God to go to them. You see that there were some that were with him but he was prepared, he was ready, he was an inspired apostle of God who could give them the good news, the gospel message. Those that were with him though, these Jews that were with him, they could testify to the miraculous actions because they were, they were witnesses. Peter could testify to the actions that Christ had done while he was on earth. Through their testimony, through the faith that they would receive through it, they could receive the remission of sins. It could be gr granted to those who were believers. Now when I say they were believers, that implies that they're going to do what they're told. They're going to do the things that are understood 
from the teaching that they receive. As you go on to the end of the to the end of this chapter, you'll see that Paul says, "What prevents these people from being baptized?" But the testimony led them to be able to have this faith. They were able to have this faith because although they didn't see these works of Christ, there was some who had. There were some who were witnesses of it. Some time ago when I was a, a younger boy, I always knew that there had to be a New York City, although I'd never been there. I hadn't been there, I hadn't seen it for myself, but I knew I'd seen pictures, I'd heard people talk about it. But I didn't, I didn't have, have a knowledge in the sense that I had been there. As, a few, as of a few months back, I was actually able to go with uh, Brother Ray, Brother Barry Ray went with me, and we went up to, to New York City. So I've seen it now. I believe it's there. But before, I knew it was there because I'd heard spoken of it. There were people that I knew who were witnesses. There were people that we can read of who were witnesses of the Christ, that were witnesses of the actions, the miracles that he performed. Through those witnesses, we can know that he was the Messiah. We'll see that God has proven by some. It is those witnesses that prove he was the Christ. Peter and some of those with, with him were witnesses of the actions of Christ. Verse 39 and through 41 again, we'll see that it says, And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they killed by hanging on a tree. They were witnesses in that they'd seen these actions take place. They knew it was true because there were those who could verify it. Not everyone saw when Jesus rose from the tomb. Not everyone saw Christ as he was hanging upon the cross. None here today saw any of those things take place. But yet these people could know the witness they could hear from the witness. By the word of mouth, they could understand the things that did take place. Not everyone saw Christ as he healed the sick, as he calmed the sea, as he brought life to those who were dead, as he fed the multitudes, as he walked on the water, as he calmed the sea. All these different miraculous acts that took place, not everyone saw, but yet they could know it happened by those who bore witness of it. Now let's notice that it's also proven when the gift of the Holy Spirit is given. We'll see in verse 44 and verse 45, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. This is a... A special instance in the Bible where we see something that takes place that, that didn't take place at any other time, whereas we see that the Holy Spirit is poured on, out on these people while they're still listening, while they're yet listening to the message. Prior to being baptized, prior to doing, to doing anything on their part, as they listen to this message, it says that the, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. So what's special about this, this certain group of verses? Well, we'll notice, as we think back through history, the Jews were a separate people. Notice at the end of verse 45, it said, or at the beginning, it says, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. They were amazed 
because now the Gentiles have the gift of the Holy Spirit also. There's something different that has taken place. There had to be proof for them to understand that the Gentiles were even able to be a part of the church. These Jews, those of the circumcision, hadn't understood this previously because they'd always been the chosen people. They'd been the special ones of God. It says, And those of the, of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on them also. So we see that they're accepted. We see that they can be a part of the church. But it doesn't end there. Peter didn't say, oh, well, they've got the Holy Spirit, it, it's over. But rather, if you'll go on in verse 46, it says, For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So they see without a doubt that these people have the gift. Now Peter answered and he says, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Through study of the scripture, we know that there's only one way for them to be added to the church, to the body of Christ. Now there was proof here from God as he poured out the Holy Spirit upon them that Gentiles were accepted in the body of Christ. There was proof here that these people could become a part of the church. But now Peter gives them the guidelines. He gives them the guidelines to becoming part of the church. He says, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have there's still something left to do. The circumstances here required that they, they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit before so that they would understand, so that Peter and those Jews that were there could understand that the gospel is for all. They had to understand that God's plan went to all mankind and not just those of the circumcision, those of the Jewish people. The final understanding that would be seen here is the gospel is for all. After seeing what takes place, Peter declares that there is no reason that these people should not be able or not be granted the opportunity to become members of the body of Christ. It leaves them the works that must take place. It said that they would have, at the beginning of this reading, it said that the people must have a fear. And then it said works of righteousness. It took both those things coupled together to make them pleasing in the Father's sight. Finally, let's notice that God is provided for all mankind. We notice first that God is partial to no one. No person alive is God partial to in that they're better than another. We notice that God was preached by Peter, one man. At this point, Peter goes to the Gentiles and he is preaching that message. Today, that message is to be taught by all of us. We see that, the, that God is proven by some. Those that were witnesses proved that Christ was the Messiah. And finally, we notice that God is provided for all. Notice in verse 39 it says, And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. 
God is provided for all mankind. Not only was he provided, but he provided himself. As Christ came to this earth, he made the choice to provide himself so that we could have life. Christ was hung upon the cross providing an opportunity, providing a chance of eternal life to all those who would obey him. If they would obey him, they would in fact be assured of that home in heaven, be assured of that eternal life. The simple fact that Christ was willing to, to die for us should be a fact that, that brings tears to our eyes, that, that brings us together on this day as we come together and we remember the sacrifice and what he has done for us. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Through Christ hanging on the cross, the Gentiles became a part of that promise. They became able to partake in the gift. They be able, became able to receive or inherit eternal life. Christ's life being provided brought about a need for baptism. That's what you see in verse 47. They understood that there was a need because they had seen the Holy Spirit poured out upon the Gentiles. It says, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? They understand here that it's for all. Now he says, Can anyone do something else? He says, It would be crazy to not have faith having seen this take place. Those Gentiles that were present, as they're noticing that there's some that are speaking in tongues, verse 46, they're going to understand that there's something special about what's taking place. They're going to understand that this truly is an apostle preaching Christ. This brought about a need for baptism. Not one Jew that is there with Peter could deny a place in the kingdom for the Gentile people. The Gentiles can see the power and therefore the reason for these Gentiles to become a member of the Lord's church. As he, as he says there in verse 47, Peter says, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? There's no need for anyone to be denied. Now today, it might not seem as important that the Gentiles were let in. It might not seem as important that the Gentiles became a part of the clique, the Jewish clique. But the facts are, unless we have that seed line, unless we have that, that proof that we were, were related, we're in the seed line of Christ, in the seed line of David, in the seed line of Abraham, we wouldn't have been a part of the Jewish people. When the Gentiles were accepted, 
It meant all mankind was accepted. There was only two groups of people. There was Jew and Gentile. Now the gospel was for all. The gospel went out to all mankind. Though they thought, though the Jews had thought previously that it, it might just be them as they were the, the chosen people. The understanding is made very clear in Acts chapter 10 that when Christ died, it was for all mankind. It was so that all could be saved. God gave the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles, showing their right to a part in the kingdom of God. You can only imagine some of the thoughts that would be going through the Gentiles' minds as they see all these miraculous gifts taking place, as they see the things happening around them. As this happens, they would wonder what they must do. They would surely want to know, what must I do to be a part of that church? They're speaking in tongues. There's, there's things that are taking place that they've never seen before because these people hadn't spoke other languages, but now it's taking place. They would have wondered, what must we do? And here... Peter lays out the guidelines. He tells them what they must do to become a member of the church. So as they're told, could anyone forbid water? We'll notice in verse 48, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days after, after just learning of Christ, just being accepted into the body of Christ, and now becoming new members having a new life, surely they would want to learn just a little bit more. So they get him to stay just a little bit longer, but now it's up to them. They have to study for themselves. Well, it's up to us. We're going to have to look in the Bible. Do you want to enter that kingdom? Do you want others to enter that kingdom? Jew or Gentile? There is no... There's no separation from people in God's sight. There's no better group than another. There's no race. There's no size. There's no look. There's nothing special about any group of people over another. But rather, the gospel is for all. Now, notice these people in Acts 10, they didn't, they didn't necessarily have time to go fix everything in their life right before they were baptized, but rather they made a decision that they were going to live for Christ. They made a decision that they were going to do what's right, and immediately you see them go out, and they were baptized and added to the Lord's church. It's truly very, very simple. Having heard the teachings of Peter and the testimonies of those around who had seen Christ and those who saw the Holy Spirit poured out upon them, these people were surely pricked to the point where they would want to know what to do in order to be pleasing to Christ. Confessing that Christ was their Lord and King, they would have been added to the Lord's church following their baptism. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. The question is, is that what you will do? If you are not a member of the body of Christ, if you have not been baptized into Christ, God's not partial. You can be accepted by Him. And you most definitely will be accepted by Him if you will only do the commands that He gives. 
having heard these things, there is no doubt that the Gentile people would have had faith that this was the Christ. There is no doubt that they would have been willing to repent of their sins. As told in Luke 13, verse 3, they would have understood that there was a need to change because there was a miraculous power. There was witnesses that spoke of the Messiah. Confessing that Jesus was the Christ, they would have been ready to change their life and be baptized into Christ. Notice they did not delay, but they understood and made a decision to change right then. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. Tomorrow may be too late. Don't, don't wait till then. If you have a need to become a member of the Lord's church, if you have a need in that you've erred from the straight and narrow path, Today is the day. Behold, today is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. If you have a need, if you would like to be added to the body of Christ, please come now as we stand and sing.